With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The deed is finally done. The Kevin Stallings era is over. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast. I'm your host, Corey Cohen. With me, as always, is my partner, Jim Hammett. And we've got one thing and one thing only to talk about today. Kevin Stallings is gone. Heather Like, the athletic director at Pitt, has fired Kevin Stallings. We don't know details about the buyout. I'm sure that'll come out in the next few hours, days, whatever. And we can have a whole new podcast to discuss that. We're going to be doing a lot here on Unscripted because there's a whole lot to talk about. Uh, we'll talk about, uh, you know, the coaching search plenty uh, moving forward. Today we're going to talk about the initial reactions to the decision to fire Kevin Stallings. And then who the who who should Heather like look at? Who should be the immediate people that we look at without sources, because currently there are no sources with who is actually interested in the job or who Heather Like is interested in, but we'll talk about who we think is interesting. So we will start with the Kevin Stallings part of it. I mean, let's just analyze the era. This was a mess from the very beginning. He was hired in shady circumstances by an athletic director who used a search firm that he had worked with before that Kevin Stallings had used to get hired before it it just seemed some it didn't pass the smell test on top of the fact that he was about to be fired from Vanderbilt a lesser program and Pitt basically paid the buyout and then signed him to what was it a six year deal, which is why the the current buyout is so insane. Uh, the, the, the Scott Barnes gave him a golden parachute for a coach that was about to be fired that was on the back end of his career. Made no sense at the time. The fans hated it from the beginning, as you did, I did, rightfully so. Stallings never quite had a fair shake, but he could have overcome it. That's what he's paid so much money to do, and he never came close. Last year, the team completely underwhelmed. They lost like eight or nine straight games. They just collapsed with a team that brought back all but James Robinson from an NCAA tournament team. And this year, of course, winless in the ACC was absolutely pathetic. No doubt in either of our minds that the time was over. He had to go. Um, but that that's how I see the Kevin Stallings era. Yeah, I mean, it was always, like you said, it was just never the right fit. Um no one ever really got behind, um, you know, and you go four and 32 in conference play in two years. I mean, it's very rare to lose your job in two years. And usually when that happens, it's, uh, you know, it's with cause or it's with, you know, you know, I think Kentucky fired, fired Billy Gillespie because it was a terrible fit for them. So, I mean, sometimes you just kind of have to cut the cord and just start over and start fresh. Um, there was nothing really keeping them here. There's no the AD that hired them wasn't the one that's here anymore. Uh, you know, the crowds were just shrinking. <clears throat> I mean, to bring him back next year, yeah, I think the team's going to be a little bit better with, you know, what they were bringing back, but not much. I mean, you're talking, 
maybe they go from eight wins to, you know, 14 wins. I mean, yeah, it's nice, it's better, it's improvement, but it's still not going to bring fans into the arena. It's still not going to do much of anything. So, and, you know, I think at some point the administration just kind of, you know, they, they heard the fans' cries enough and, you know, maybe not so much on social media or Twitter or in the newspapers. It was, it was, with, it was with the dollars spent. That's, that's wherever the administration heard the fans. When people stop showing up, uh, whenever you have number one Virginia in town and, you know, football has junior day that day and they didn't even take them to the game. So, I mean, there was just a fundamental problem the whole way around the program and, uh, you know, it was time. Uh, like you said, I don't think it was always fair to Kevin Stallings. He kind of walked into like that 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 opening press conference was like a cross examination more more so than anything. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it it just is what it is. I, like I think I've always maintained. I think you kind of agree. It's like he's not the worst coach in the world. He's probably better than what he showed the past couple years. He kind of didn't have the best opportunity, but at the same time, there wasn't anything pointing in the right direction for him either. Yeah, I mean, he this this program had cratered. Uh, a lot of it is his fault. There's a little bit on Dixon. There's a lot of it on Scott Barnes. But this program had cratered, and this is not the guy that was going to turn it around. Uh, he was the guy that was the head coach during the crater. Um, it, it was not an easy opportunity to come in after Dixon, but it certainly wasn't impossible. And anyone that suggests that is is delusional. Again, they returned all but James Robinson from a tournament team. Uh, it was a tough job, but it was certainly not impossible. Uh, and 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 Kevin Stallings somehow underestimated what we all thought. I mean, when Dixon left, we were all sort of okay with it if they got the right person because Dixon had sort of slipped and had sort of plateaued. And the reason we hated Kevin Stallings was because we thought that what he was going to be was going to be an okay coach, an average coach that would be sort of what Dixon was the past couple years, maybe make the tournament every other year, but never really have much of a chance and just sort of be all right. Well, he was worse than that. I mean, <laughs> that almost, that, that sounds incredible uh, compared to what Stallings actually delivered. He, the, the program just cratered and that's not even, that, that's even worse than what we expected when they hired him. And we all expected, I mean, we all hated the hire. So <laughs> things were just untenable. You had to let him go. Again, we'll talk more about the buyout number because we don't know the buyout number. We'll talk about it down the line uh, in a future podcast. Again, we're going to have plenty of these podcasts during the coaching search uh, because there's going to be a whole lot to talk about. But, uh, I mean, yeah, it's it just seems like the right decision for Heather, like this hire was was awful from the beginning. I, I feel bad for her because she had to now spend a ton of money to pay a guy to sit at home. Um, but that's the situation that her predecessor, Scott Barnes, who was horrible at his job, left her in. And so here on International Women's Day, a woman had to clean up after a man's horrible, horrible job. It seems fitting. Um, one thing. Uh, be, before I send it over to you, is uh, Jeff Eisenberg, writer, college basketball writer with Yahoo, sort of summed up the era perfectly, which in a tweet, which is seldom has a hire been more clearly bungled from the get go than Kevin Stallings to Pitt. He had underachieved the previous couple years at Vandy, had no recruiting momentum or ties to the Northeast, and his candidacy was a product of search firm nepotism. That sums it up completely. Awful hire from the beginning in every way, and then he just never 
not even overachieved. He didn't even achieve. In fact, he like like I mentioned, he underachieved from what we were expecting. It was just awful. The era had to end, and I'm so happy that it did. Yeah, like uh, it was time. Like there was only maybe one or two points, and you know where you thought, okay, maybe it won't be that bad. I think Pitt started last season, maybe you know thirteen and three. They just upset uh, you know a top fifteen Virginia team. You're like, okay, you know maybe this is gonna work out. Then from there, I think they they lost nine of their next ten ACC games, and they only won four ACC games the whole season. So it was just time. Uh, you know, like you said, the hire from the beginning, it just it never fit. I mean, I just remember the outrage. Uh, I just remember you know other fan bases, other you know national media outlets. They were just thinking, like, what kind of hire is this? It just doesn't make sense, and it never made sense. And, you know, it played out exactly how many people thought it would. Um, you know, we still don't know the exact terms of the buyout. Uh, he might get the full, what, you know, some people are reporting $9.4 million, some are saying ten. You know, the, the weird thing, the past 72 hours have been very strange because Pitt had a game. They were in Brooklyn. You have some people saying... Uh, no decision has been made yet. Other people saying, yes, the decision has been made. You have some people saying the buyout 7 million. You have some people saying it's 9 million. It's just been a crazy couple days. And I think it was just a matter of, you know, maybe Pitt's leaking stuff to one side and maybe Stallings camp is leaking stuff to another side. And, uh, you know, some people have good sources. Some people have bad source. It was just, it was a very unclear 72 hours, but I think in those 72 hours, we hit a point of no return. Once it got talking to, you know, there's a buyout, there's this, there's that, there was no way he was coming back next season. Once it got to that point where it's becoming very public, uh, the Pittsburgh media was on it, some of the national media was on it, uh, the broadcast during the game, people were talking about it, uh, it was just all over everywhere. So at that point, you knew he wasn't coming back. Even if it wasn't official yet, you're you're just thinking, okay, they're talking about exact figures a coach, you know, if they're like, uh, if it comes down to nine million, you're coming back. No, it was never going to be that way. So it did come to a point where that was it. You knew it was over, and you know, you kind of, you know, I think we both woke up this morning. I heard, you know, ten o'clock, it's going to happen. I think a little bit before ten o'clock, it happened. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it was, you know, it, the ending was, uh, you know, kind of fitting to how the whole tenure worked out. Yeah, it was a complete mess. Uh, there, there was that that. Uh... A bit of terror at the end there, uh, but it's over. And and uh, Heather Like deserves a ton of credit for not overthinking this, for not worrying as much about the money as uh, the the health of the program. Uh, and ultimately, that's what she did. She she saw that the program had cratered, and she realized that you had you this could not continue. You had to fire Kevin Stallings. Even if it cost a ton of money, you could not allow this to continue. I mean, the last podcast that we had, we talked about, and I made the case, if it's two years, you can call it a blip. You can say, okay, we made the wrong hire. Things were historically bad, which they were, and move on. And this will not define you. You're still just two years removed from a program that was in the tournament pretty much every year. Uh, And you can get back to there relative not you know it's still going to be a rebuild but this isn't a program you're this isn't this is a program that has a great history great uh facilities it can have a great atmosphere again if they make the right coaching hire if the team shows some excitement this is a, a program 
that has every chance to succeed, and you could not let it continue to just fester in 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 purgatory, or even worse than purgatory. They were in hell. Uh, and and so I'm glad that Heather Like made the move. We were all waiting on it. We knew it was time, and they made the move. Kevin Stallings is no longer the pit head basketball coach. Hallelujah. I hated the hire from the beginning. I wanted to give him a chance. It was towards the end of year one where I said, if this guy, if next year is awful, I think he should go. And and a lot of people disagreed with me on that. I think I, you, I believe, were sort of lukewarm on that. But it was truly awful. It was so horrible. The attendance was miserable. He had to go. I mean, it, it was the worst case scenario in the year two uh, based on a really underwhelming year one. And some could say based on expectations was almost worse than his year two. So w- with all of that leading into it, you had to let him go. I'm so happy they did. I'm so happy this did not go on to a year three. This was a horrible decision from the beginning, a horrible contract from the beginning. And I'm so glad that it's over and that we can all move on. Yeah, I think that's where everyone is. I think, um, you know, Pitt's not really catching a ton of flack uh, for letting him go. Uh, You know, maybe a few people are upset. Uh, You know, a few people are saying, oh, what is Pitt doing? Uh, You're never going to get a coach to come here in two years. I don't think that's exactly the case. I think, uh, you know, in a lot of cases, money talks. I think, you know, Pitt's going to be able to give uh, some mid-major, some low-major coaches a a significant upgrade. It's still an ACC job. Uh, You know, Pitt was a top 10 perennial program for, you know, 15 years, like only like five years ago. So uh, I think it's still an attractive job. I think people are excited it's over. I think, you know, most Pitt fans understand that it just needed to change. You just can't have that attendance problem, uh, you know, in your home arena. You only have 2,000 fans for conference games. Like, that just needed to end. So um, it's a new chapter. It's an exciting chapter. I think there's a lot of optimism because, you know, on one end you're thinking, well, Heather, like, can't screw up this hire as much as Scott Barnes did. And, you know, the way she's handled her business so far, uh, she hired a really great, uh, you know, women's soccer coach. She's uh, she's fired some coaches that aren't performing. Uh, you know, she's you know, she just fired Kevin Stallings. So that, that's a goodwill award right there for her. So I think um, I think there's a lot of optimism going into this. And I think there's some names that, you know, that are kind of floating around right now that would excite the program that would upgrade the program. Um, I, I think we all have to be mindful that there is an FBI investigation and it could, you know, stretch a lot of places. So Pitt has to make a right hire. They have to make a smart hire. They can't hire someone. Then, you know, his name pops up in a grand jury report in a couple months. They have to be very diligent here, but I think the money's here. Uh, I think with the buyout, you had a lot of boosters come together and they're the ones going to pay the majority of the buyout. You have ACC money, you should be competitive with anyone. You should be able to get any coach you really want. Pitt's not a blue blood. Pitt's not a top whatever program, but it's still an ACC job. It's still probably a top 40, top 30-ish job in the country. And with the right coach, it can be a top 20-ish job in the country. So uh, it's exciting. A uh, little unsure, but I think the the vast majority of people, you and I, uh, you know, just kind of the general sentiments, the people I'm talking to, the people I'm just kind of watching on Twitter, it's we think it's going to get better. Um, at least, I mean, we at, at the very least, nobody thinks it can get any worse. Yeah, I don't. I literally think it cannot get worse. It, it absolutely cannot. Uh, two things before we talk about next head coaches. One, um, I just wanted to mention. I, I mentioned it at the time when Heather Like was first announced. 
uh, I went, this was back in, let me check, March 2017. And I went to, uh, I found her email on the Eastern Michigan Athletic site. And uh, I emailed her basically saying, hi, welcome to Pitt. We're all excited to have you. I'm an alum. Uh, the basketball program has gone completely downhill. Please find a way to turn it around, preferably preferably with a new head coach. She did not specifically address it, though she did reply, thank you, Corey, for your welcome email. I appreciate it. Hail to Pitt. Which, one, just speaks to her character that she was getting back to people. Like, this was, you know, to, to Pitt fans who were emailing her when she was announced as the hire. So that's really cool. But also that she knew from the beginning uh, she was aware that things that there was a problem and it took her less than a year to rectify the situation. And that's what you call a good AD. We'll see what hire she makes. But again, you're right. She she's earned goodwill. And I'm hopeful that she makes a good hire. The other thing is uh, uh, Mike DeCourcy, uh, another national college basketball writer, tweeted uh, again. This is just trashing Scott Barnes. Today merits a reminder, the AD who gave a six-year contract to a mediocre, struggling, disliked coach, a deal that may cost the school $10 million to end, soon left for a better job. I mean, the, and I don't know if it's even a better job, but uh, he, he left the university with all these problems. Scott Barnes is horrible at his job. He destroyed the pit basketball program, and I'm happy that now we can start to turn things around here because... He made a miserable decision, and just everything about it was awful, and I cannot express enough my disdain for Scott Barnes. Anyway, moving on uh, to now who should Pitt hire? Um, we're going to talk plenty when we start hearing rumors, when we start hearing names, uh, but for now, let's just talk about who seems to make sense. I've got a list of the top 10 coaches that I think would be, uh, I've got a few, three of them I think would be home runs. The other seven, or maybe even eight, I think would be solid uh, coaching hires where I would be happy. Um, do you want to go first? Do you want to toss out some names? How do you want to do this? We're, we're, this is an emergency podcast. We haven't had time to plan. <laughs> well, you can run down your list and we can both you know, kind of go, you know, go you know, talk about each guy briefly, well, quickly, whatever. Great. We'll go one by one. Let's start. With number one, I've got, and really, I think the top two, a lot of people have the same top two. Uh, I've got Dan Hurley and then Thad Mata. And I think pretty much, some people might have Mata above Hurley, but I think those for pretty much everyone are the top two. Dan Hurley, the coach at Rhode Island, he's gotten an Atlantic 10 team to the tournament now two years in a row. Uh, They made plenty of noise last year. There, it looks like they're going to make noise this year. They've been ranked for much of the season. He's got ties to New Jersey, to New York. Uh, that seems like it would be a home run. The other is Thad Mata, who was the head coach at Ohio State for a long time. Uh, he resigned at the end of uh, about a year ago due to health uh, scenarios, health complications. It looks like he's getting back into things now because he... Uh, was at Ole Miss. He was in Oxford uh, talking to them about the head basketball, the head coach uh, for basketball job. So it seems like he wants, like he's healthy enough. He wants to get back into the game. He's got ties to Heather Like. He's from Ohio State, so he knows the recruiting area. And he was great there. Now, he was slipping the last few years. Like, it went from made to the Elite Eight, and then the year after to the Sweet 16, and to the year after to the second round, and the year after that was the first round. So... So, so sort of similar to how things were going with Dixon. However, I think one thing that 
it, you sort of underestimate is how much a change helps people. I mean, it helps players all the time. You see in baseball, a guy will leave the Pirates and go be great, or he'll leave the Yankees for the Pirates and then be great there. A lot of times just a change in atmosphere sort of gives you that kick in the butt and, and you get things back to where they were. And while Thad Mata was regressing at Ohio State, first of all, it was still great. And second of all, uh, you still, I think getting a new scenario after taking time off, I think that would reinvigorate him. And I think he would be in peak form. Those are my top two. It seems like they're pretty much everyone's top two, correct? Yeah, it seems like those are, you know, that's 1A and 1B. Um, I don't, you know, some people prefer Hurley. Some people prefer Thad Mata. Um, You know, to start with Hurley, uh, he's doing a great job at Rhode Island right now. Uh, Rhode Island's been a top 25 team. They just won the A-10, which I value the A-10. I think it's a pretty good league. Outside that power six, I kind of think it's that next step down. So I think he's doing a good job, you know, at that kind of program. It's a competitive league. Um, and you, you just have to love his ties. You know, his dad was a legendary high school coach in New Jersey. Uh, he coached at those same high schools. Uh, he went to Seton Hall. He's been an assistant at Rutgers. He's been a head coach at Wagner, Rhode Island. He is Northeast through and through. And when Pitt was at its best, it was, you know, whenever they were, you know, having a lot of kids from New Jersey and Philly and D.C. and New York City. And, you know, if Pitt's going to get back to that, I think having a guy with those connections and that would – that's kind of what you're looking for. He's 45 years old. Um, you know, he's been a head coach now for, I believe this is his ninth season. So he has plenty of experience. So I think Hurley's kind of, you know, he's going to be one of those first calls. I also think he'll be a hot commodity. If UConn comes open, I think they would probably try to call him and maybe a few other places. So I think he'll be a competitive hire. Then you look at Thad Mata. Thad Mata is a great coach, an absolutely great coach. And some people... I don't know because he had a bad year or two, kind of like how Dixon's career at Pitt kind of started getting sour. Maybe that's what happened at Ohio State. He missed the last two tournaments, but his his track record's un- unbelievable. He's been to two Final Fours. He's been to the Elite Eight a few times, Sweet 16 a few times. His teams are always in the tournament. He always has top 20 recruiting classes. Uh, he has a higher career winning per- percentage than Jamie Dixon, who and many people would say Jamie Dixon's a top 20 coach in college basketball. So right there, you're probably hiring a top 15-ish coach, uh, you know, if he's healthy. That's the big stipulation with him. Everyone's wondering, is he healthy? He took a year off. He was kind of forced out at Ohio State because he just couldn't, you know, with his bad back, he couldn't make all the recruiting trips. He couldn't stand up and coach. He couldn't do all those things. But if he's healthy, I mean, he, he'd be a great hire. I mean, it's that, that would be, you know, both of those guys would be, you know, very hard to get if there's other jobs available. But I mean, I think by, you know, getting rid of Stallings now, Pitt has a leg up, they can start this process sooner. So I, I, you know, that's one A and one B and it's, you know, I think everyone has a different preference, but I, I like them both a lot. I think if either of those two get, become the next pit uh, basketball coach. I think that would be universally praised and everyone, uh, all the pit fans would be through the moon. Uh, those are the two absolutely home run hires that everyone, I mean, that's the dream scenario. And there's a good chance that it doesn't happen, especially with Hurley because of money, because he can get a lot of jobs. Uh, and depending on, on what happens. And by the way, I'm so thrilled that this happened quickly, that this did not wait until after the tournament or anything like that, because now Pitt has a jump on the competition before other programs start to open up, before anything goes down with the FBI, that 
currently, I mean, with Hurley, who's, again, one of the, the most sought-after coaches in the nation, the two best jobs for him are probably Pitt and UConn. I mean, th- there isn't a, a really top-tier blue blood program that's going to go after him because they're not available. They might be available soon, uh, <laughs> depending on what happens if the uh, with the FBI, but they're not available now. So that's why I think uh, I'm really happy that this decision is going to be made relatively quickly and that firing Stallings was would happen relatively quickly. The other uh, name that I have before the drop-off for me is someone that I've considered for a while, and then just in the past few days I've thought, wow, this would actually be great, is Eric Musselman at Nevada. Uh, he has a ton of NBA experience. He's been mostly an NBA guy, uh, assistant coach at a lot of programs, similar to a name that I've seen out there sometimes, which is Micah Shrewsbury, who's uh, Brad Stevens guy, assistant coach with the Celtics. Uh, he also had college experience. Um, Eric Musselman has, he's had more NBA experience than college. Um, but, uh, but he's come back. He came back in, uh, uh, 2012. He was uh head coach for a little bit of the Sacramento Kings. Then he was a D league, now G league coach. And then he became an assistant head coach and associate head coach, uh, at, uh, at Arizona state for a couple years. And then at LSU, I think when Ben Simmons was there. And then since 2015, he's been at Nevada and he's been excellent. Uh, and, and he's done a, a phenomenal job. Uh, his first year, they were good. They were, and when he took over, the program was in bad shape. First year, they went 24 and 14, 10 and 8 in conference. They won the CBI. And we all know here at Pitt how big it is to win the CBI. So that's, uh, that's really impressive. A lot of zebra pens involved. Um, uh, year two, he went 28 and 7, 14 and 4 in conference, won the conference tournament, made it to the NCAA tournament. This year, they've been ranked for much of the year. They're even better than they were last year. They're going to make the tournament. Uh, I mean, he seems like a great coach. He's from Ohio initially. Now, most of his career has been spent out west, but this is a guy from one of the top non power six conferences. I mean, you take power five plus Big East, and outside of that, it's like Mountain West, American Athletic Conference, A10. Uh, that's, that's pretty much it. So the, and those, those are the tops. And if you can get a guy who's been one of the, like the top coach in the mountain West, one of the best conferences outside of the power five, power six, that's a home run for me, in my opinion. So I think Eric Musselman would be a great hire. Uh, and I think Pitt has a realistic shot at him. He's only 53, by the way. Yeah, I've seen his name mentioned a little bit, and yeah, he's having a great year at Nevada. They're a top 25 team, kind of like Rhode Island, just an upstart, you know, 26-6. and They won the Mountain West, which, again, is another competitive league. Um, The only thing I'm concerned with him is, you know, his success the past couple years has been a lot of a lot of it's based on transfers. And I don't know how that works in the ACC. I think Nevada, you're kind of in a good spot where. It's an attractive place for a transfer to go. You kind of play a fun style for an ex-NBA head coach. Um, it, you know, I think two of his best players are the Martin Twins. They played at NC State a year or two ago. So I, I, I just wonder, I worry about his recruiting a little bit. But his ability to coach, I think, is there. Um, he has, like, very little ties at all to the East Coast in any way. I mean, his his last few stops... Arizona State, LSU, Nevada, and before that, just all over professional basketball. Um, but I think he's a good coach. I think he's the type of ki- uh, a guy people want to come play for. I think he's. it would be important for him to hire a good staff. 
like I said, because I, I worry about his high school recruiting. That's that's my only concern. But I think he'd be a good good coach for sure. Yeah, I, I, I think he's a great coach. I think the only question is more about fit, I guess. Um, but they could sell that. I mean, first of all, you could teach someone. But also, uh, he, he's fr- he was actually born in... Uh, I think Minneapolis or San Diego, but he, he went to Cle he was um, pretty much from Cleveland. He went uh, to a, a high school suburb uh, south of Cleveland, uh, 15 miles outside of Cleveland. So they could sort of sell it as, okay, he's coming back. Um, but yeah, I mean, er- Eric Musselman, I think would be a great hire because he's the top coach in one of the top non-Power 5 conferences. Uh, to me, that would be huge. Uh, some of the other names that I think are very interesting, I'll just rattle them off. Um, and, and we'll get to them. Um, some of the names I do not have, I'll start with them. That's that I've seen some out there. One I mentioned before is Micah Shrewsbury. I just, I I don't want to hire, I don't want Pitt to hire a guy who has not been head coach before. I mean, Shrewsbury, it's interesting, but I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think Pitt is, is in a position to take that gamble. I think, I mean, it, it's first of all, Shrewsbury seems like what Musselman was a few years ago. So I don't know if you have the opportunity to get Musselman. I don't know why you would then choose basically a slightly lesser version of Musselman, a slightly younger, less experienced version of him. Um, they both were were praised for their NBA careers, but then a few years ago, Musselman moved to college and he's done a great job there. I think Shrewsbury could go move to college, get a lesser job, like an A ten job, something like that and build that program up, and then he gets an ACC job, something like that. But I, I honestly, I don't understand. I've seen his name quite a few times. I don't really understand uh, why you would go with him. Um, another name is the the Eastern Tennessee State coach, uh, Kermit Davis, or Middle Tennessee State. He's very good. I just don't really see it as a fit, so I don't know. Uh, some names that I think would be good hires that I would be happy with. Uh, Kevin Willard, head coach at Seton Hall, Pitt alum, has been one of the, the better coaches in the Big East, again, one of the top conferences in the nation. Uh, he has not been excellent there, but he's been good there, and uh, again, because he's a Pitt grad, I think that would, uh, you know, that, that adds a little extra oomph to it. Uh, but, you know, the Big East is, a, is still a tough conference, not what it was, but it's still a tough conference. And they, they're like the third best team in the Big East for the past couple of years. I think that would be a good hire. Mark Schmidt, the head coach of St. Bonaventure, used to coach at RMU. Uh, and he seems to, I mean, he's been very good this year. That, that team has been excellent this season in the A-10, a very tough conference. They've been only behind Rhode Island. Now, his career there hasn't been great. So the question is, well, is he just, you know, on sort of a hot streak now? Uh, not entirely sure, but based on what he's done with a tough place to win in one of the better program, better conferences in the nation, I think, and plus local ties, I think Schmidt would be a very good hire. Another name that's interesting is Joe Dooley, uh, Florida Gulf Coast head coach. Uh, he won the regular season title, uh, the past few years. He just lost in the conference championship game, uh, down at, at FGCU, but he's got ties up north. Uh, he's done a very good job down there, preserving what Andy Enfield left. Uh, so he hasn't had to build a program up from scratch, but uh, he seems like a very good coach in a solid mid-major program. Uh, another head coach that I think would be interesting, Russell Turner from UC Irvine. He's done a very good job out west, where he's been for a little while, but he's originally from Virginia, uh, so he's got ties to the to the ACC footprint. I think Russell Turner 
would be an interesting choice. John Becker is another one, uh, the head coach of Vermont. Now, he's done a phenomenal job up there. He's been dominant. Uh, but he's been there a, a little while, so, and, you know, I'm not sure if he's maybe deemed a little bit too old or anything. Uh, he's got DC ties. Um, the question is, America East, that's one of the lower uh, mid-majors. Can he make that jump from Vermont to Pitt, even though he's done a phenomenal job up there? Uh, Nathan Davis from Bucknell, Patriot League. A solid mid-major. They were a 13 seed last year. They're, they just dominated in their conference tournament. They made it uh, yet again as the regular season champions and absolutely, I mean, they won by like 40 points in the conference championship game. He's done a great job at Bucknell, obviously local ties, and uh, he's been Patriot League coached three years in a row. Again, a solid mid-major with some good programs in that conference. Uh, I think Nathan Davis would be a very good hire. Um, some people question if jumping from Bucknell to Pitt is too big of a jump. But, I mean, again, in terms of mid-major coaches, I think you could do a lot worse than jumping from Vermont or Bucknell based on what they've done. And the other, uh, to round out the top 10, that would be a bit of a big jump, though I'm not seeing... I, a lot of people have reservations about the jump from Vermont to Pitt or from Bucknell to Pitt. Not a lot of people see much of a jump from Charleston to Pitt, though I think it's equal, if not more so. But the head coach there is Earl Grant. He's done a great job at Charleston for years. Uh, I really like him, but the question is, one, is that too big of a jump? And the other question is, he spent pretty much all of his career in South Carolina. Uh, so can he make the jump uh, up to, now, obviously South Carolina is in the, the, the footprint of the ACC, but you're really looking more for Virginia and North. You know, Virginia, Maryland, Pennsylvania, Jersey, New York, Ohio, something around there. Uh, and he's been pretty much a South Carolina guy all his career. But I'm seeing his name a lot. I do like him a lot. Uh, I just question, uh, no one really seems to mention Charleston to Pitt. That's, they, they don't seem to mention that that's a big jump, but they do mention it when it's Bucknell or Vermont to Pitt. I think all three of them, you're taking a bit of a risk. It is a bit of a jump, but I like all three of those coaches. Yeah, um, see, uh, the thing I like with Earl Grant is like the, he has that. He's been at Wichita State. He's been at Clemson. Uh, he coached under Greg Marshall, who's, you know, one of the more exciting coaches in the country right now. So I think that's kind of why people like him is that he has that, you know, experience. It's not so much the jump to Charleston. It's like when you look at John Becker, who's doing a great job at Vermont, before Vermont, he was at Catholic University and a, another small college. So he's only ever coached in that small realm, whereas at least Grant has kind of had that experience at Clemson. He's been in the ACC. He's recruited ACC-level players. So I think that's the big difference with him. I don't think a lot of people will get on board with uh, Kevin Willard because, one, he I mean, he's good, but he's not great. I mean, I think if, you, if, if all things considered, he ended up at Pitt, I don't think it would be terrible. He's won 20 games for three straight years now. He's probably going to the tournament once again. Uh, he's doing some good stuff at Seton Hall. And like it, like I said earlier with Hurley, it's he'll have those New York City connections. He'll have those New Jersey connections. So, you know, you, you kind of have to hope if he's the if he's the coach, he can kind of bring that back. So, well, that and that's why I don't I mean, I think you're right that there's not a lot of enthusiasm, but I'm really not sure why. I get that he's he hasn't been excellent, but he's been one of the top coaches in one of the top non-Power 5 conferences, or if you call it Power 6, including the Big East, then he's in it. 
And he's got those ties that, that Pitt fans want from the from the Jamie Dixon heyday of getting kids from Jersey and New York. So why do you think there's not more enthusiasm? I, I don't know if it's just the bad taste in his mouth because of his last name, because his dad wasn't a great coach at Pitt. I don't know exactly what it is with him. But again, like he's he's doing OK at Seton Hall. He's not doing great at Seton Hall. But I, I mean, he's he's doing good stuff. He's consistent. Uh, like I said, I don't think it would be a bad hire. And I think if he were to come to Pitt, I don't think. I don't think, you know, people would run him off like they did with Stallings. I think people would give him a chance. So, I mean, I think if you're if you're going to look, I think looking in the Big East isn't a bad way to go. Uh, you know, you have Woj up at Marquette. I think, you know, maybe he's worth a call. I think uh, Ed Cooley, he's worth a call. So, I mean, you know, y- you have your candidates and you also have to think, you know, we're looking at things, what ties to Pitt. We're looking, okay, New York City, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, uh, kind of that circle. But you also have to expand it to what Heather like knows and what she knows is, you know, I, you know, everyone's kind of drawing that, uh, connection to Thad Mata, but I'm sure she also has other connections from the Midwest. So I think it's going to be, you know, whenever they say it's a national search, I think it will be a national search. Um, it's just, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back to last time, the last coaching hire and some of the names we were throwing out. I, I, I remember saying Joe Dooley's name, uh, I remember King Rice. Well, Mon- Monmouth this season has been awful, so I think his name is sort of off the board. And and by the way, you mentioned that name because I liked him two years ago, but I think there is something to be a little bit wary about someone who maybe has one great year uh, and, and, you know, they're the hot name right now, but you're not sure if it's sustainable. Um, I mean, King Rice... Monmouth is is in a really bad place right now, um, and and you do have to be wary about that, and that's why I'm worried a little bit of somebody like Earl Grant at Charleston, who's been good for for two years, but you're really not sure. And and similar thing in a way with Mark Schmidt, where he's been there for a while, and he's really built it up. Where now it's three years where they've been really good, um, but still you're you know, you're not totally sold. So I definitely think there's something to be said about the coaches that have built up like three plus years of excellence. Somebody like Nathan Davis at Bucknell, who's just been dominating the Patriot League. Uh, John Becker, uh, you know, bit of a leap, but has been dominating the America East. Coaches like that, where it's not necessarily a flash of the pan, but they've had two, preferably three plus years of sustained success. Yeah, and I think, you know, you're looking back on some hires now and you look at uh, Andy Enfield at USC. uh, I mean, I I think everyone thought USC was going to turn into, you know, a a fierce competitor in the Pac-12. And they've just been, eh. So, I mean, that's why coaching searches are hard because sometimes you can hire this hotshot up-and-coming, you know, new coach and it doesn't always work out. So it's – you kind of want to get someone proven, like you said, but at the same time, you kind of want to get someone proven from maybe a mid-major, not so much a low-major like a Florida Gulf Coast. So it, it's there's a lot of names out there, um, and you know, you, you know, Rivals has a has a list, and you know, Panther Layer and different people have already the Post Gazette. It might not be anyone on these lists. I mean, everyone's just kind of doing the. Well, it makes sense, so maybe we should do it, yada, yada, yada. But sometimes that's just not how coaching searches work. Yeah, I mean, that said, I think be a little bit wary if there's someone who is totally out of left field because that's what happened with Kevin Stallings. No one was talking about him, and for good reason. Um, And then he ended up being the choice. I mean, I think 
there's certainly a possibility if Heather Lake uh, brings in someone that we haven't been talking about, maybe it's because we just didn't see it as a fit, and that would be okay. Maybe it's because they're awful, um, like Kevin Stallings. So, uh, you know, you, you at least want to hear a name maybe thrown around once or twice, um, or, or seem to make some sense. Uh, and, and that, again, I mean, that that's why these names are being thrown around, just because they make sense. It's not the end-all, be-all, but, uh, you know. And by the way, with Andy Enfield... I don't know. I mean, they're they're second in the Pac-12 this year. I mean, the Pac-12 is having sort of a rough year, but um, 20-plus wins uh, now for three straight seasons. Um, you know, I, I would certainly take uh, Andy Enfield. I know that was a big name two years ago. Um, but, you know, he and he did have, uh, I think, a couple years at Florida Gulf Coast um, before he left. So, you know, there there is sort of that balance um, where uh, you, you never know between a coach who's just hot right now, who's, who's had sustained success. Um, but, you know, I, I'm certainly bummed. I, I know there was some talk maybe of FBI something, but I'm certainly bummed uh, that Andy Enfield was not the choice last time, as was reported that they were talking uh, about a contract two years ago, because I think he would have done a great job here. I think he's done a very good job at USC. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there are plenty of names out there. Tim Cluis, who's at Iona, but he's older. He's done a great job at Iona, but he's older. All his ties are to Long Island. Apparently he, he wants to stay there. Tommy Amaker of Harvard, maybe. Um, Leon Rice of, of Boise State, it, it, no local ties, but he's done a very good job there. Um, People have mentioned Micah Shrewsbury. Uh, people have mentioned Ryan Odom from UMBC. They, they're uh, a pretty good team. Um, but, you know, I, I it's not a wildly deep pool. I think you don't need to go too deep into it to get someone who'd say yes. I think if you offer the job to probably Kevin Willard and then pretty much definitely Mark Schmidt, Joe Dooley, John Becker, Nathan Davis, Earl Grant, I think they'd all say yes. So really, anywhere outside of Hurley, Mata, Musselman, you're you're pretty, all the, the other guys that we're talking about, you pretty much have your pick. So I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see who is really interested in the job and, and who seems to make the most sense and who really stands out. Um, because... There is, there are a few candidates at the top who would be home runs, uh, you know, Hurley, Mata, a lot of people think Musselman, uh, and then there are a lot of hires that I think a lot of people would say that's good and we'd all be happy with and content with, uh, and then you really have to sort it out from there. Do you do you get a coach from a bigger program uh, like Kevin Willard at Seton Hall? Do you get a coach from a high major like uh, Mark Schmidt at St. Bonaventure? Uh uh, or even Russell Turner out at UC Irvine. Uh, do you get a co- or or Tommy Amaker from Harvard? Do you get a coach from a lower major who's had sustained success, like John Becker at Vermont or Nathan Davis at Bucknell? A guy who's more of a hot name, uh, like like Earl Grant at Charleston. I mean, it's it's totally up in the air. Uh, but while while the choices aren't too deep, it doesn't really go past like twelve guys. Uh, I think. It doesn't, you know, again, after the first three, any of them, I think, would take the job, pretty much. So, it's really just about figuring out which one of them uh, is the right choice. Um, But there are plenty of names where, I mean, again, I listed like 12 guys. All of them I would be happy with. Uh, Only a few of them, I think, are absolute home runs, but all of them I'd be happy with. 
and and that's what you want. It, you know, you want to get obviously the home run higher, but really it just needs to be a good hire, a good quality hire, because that's what that's exactly the opposite of what the Stallings hire was, and you cannot make a mistake. So if you just get a good hire, uh, you know, maybe they're they're not absolutely thrilling, but I think if you get a coach who's done a reliably good job at a mid-major, then that's that's a good hire. Yeah, I think, like I said, uh, a lot of goodwill from this is getting rid of Stallings. That was step one. I think a lot of people are back. I think you'll see more people in the stands next season. You might see some few season tickets. And if you hire the right guy, the absolute right guy, you're going to see a lot of uh, excitement and enthusiasm around the program. Uh, just how desolate things were this year, how people were acting. People still care. People. This really killed a lot of people, how bad Pitt was this year. So I think people are kind of... Uh, you know, especially this time of year when March is rolling around, the tournament's going, uh, conference tournaments are rolling, you kind of miss it. You kind of want to get back to that. So I think people are hungry. So, you know, having these two years and even the last couple of years at Dixon where, you know, things weren't going so great. I think people are hungry. I think people want to get back on board. So I, like I said, I think it's an attractive job. I think if you could get Thad Mata, I think things changed really quickly. I, I don't think it will be very long until Pitt's a – uh, you know, a contender in the ACC. So that's the dream. But again, a lot of the goodwill that has been done has just been getting rid of Stallings. That was step one. Now hire someone. If you hire someone really good, people will be excited. If you hire someone, okay, pretty good, people are still going to be excited. So I think the big thing right now is it's Kevin Stallings won't be the coach next season. Yeah, that that is the ultimate news. And I think we're all thrilled about it. Now we can actually talk about the coaching. I mean, we've all been hoping that this has been the case, but no one's really been able to talk about it or who would pit higher or whatever. So now it's official. Now everyone can talk about who pit should look at. Uh, and, and the, you know, what can I say? This is the fun part. You know, there, there's a certain, when your team, when you want a coaching change, it's a lot of fun. When you don't want one, like when Paul Chris left, it's not so much fun or when Todd Graham left, but when you want a coaching change, it's a lot of fun, you know, to, to go out and, and see who makes sense. And, you know, the grass is always greener. And in this case, the grass could not be any worse than what it is with Pitt basketball right now. So so Pitt will, I'm confident that Heather Like will make a good decision. The question is who. So we'll see. Uh, we're not sure exactly when the next podcast will be, but we will uh, be pretty uh, constant here. And if there's any big rumor that comes out or anything, I mean, we'll we'll talk certainly next week. Uh, even if there's no news whatsoever, we'll certainly talk, uh, and and we'll have another podcast. So so stay tuned. Uh, check us out on Twitter. We're also going to be doing another bracket. We like brackets here on Unscripted, so we're going to do a bracket of coaches that you think Pitt should hire. Uh, we'll do a 16 name bracket, and and you can vote for them. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Corey E Cohen. I'll post uh, the the bracket there. Uh, Jim is at Jim Hammett. Um, so, so feel free to follow us on Twitter, fo follow cardiac Hill at pit Panther blog. Keep checking cardiac Hill because coaching, uh, searches are like the best time to be wired into everything that's happening. Uh, and we've got all a uh, ton of great content for you at cardiac Hill. So we'll be back next week, regardless what happens. Uh, and, and there's going to be plenty to talk about, but Kevin Stallings is gone. That is a huge sigh of relief for all of us. Uh, we'll talk about all of this more. We're excited. It's a coaching search, and Kevin Stallings is no longer at Pitt, so that's reason to celebrate. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Until next time, for Jim Hammett, I'm Corey Cohen, signing off from Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill Podcast.